Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Get him! Get him! Yeah! Good boy! Come on, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Hey everybody, you've probably seen it on social media by now. I've seen several of you asking questions about it, and I just want to get ahead of any rumors that are going on out there about the truth. The episode that Josh Michaelis hosts on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. Before Josh was ever a host for us, I just knew Josh as someone that... um, was very engaged and very supportive of the Houndsman XP podcast and what we were trying to do. And um, I started researching a little bit and started looking at what he was doing, following him on YouTube, following his Facebook posts. And I thought, man, this guy has got a lot to offer. And he shares our goals for the future of, of coon hunting and hound sports and just all things involved there. So I featured him as a guest. And as I started featuring him as a guest, he became more of a regular, and we built a relationship and ultimately led to him hosting The Truth on the Houndsman XP podcast. It all came about when Josh called me and he wanted to do a show where we really boil it down and we talked to people that knew what they were talking about and we could get you exactly what we wanted. And that was The Truth. The truth about coon dogs, the truth about competition, coon hunting, the truth about handling. We just wanted to lay it all out there in a way that was very plain spoken and um, entertaining as well. Josh has done an outstanding job. for, But the truth is, life changes. Circumstances in our lives change. 
Josh is very busy with his new job at Joy Dog Food. He's got a lot of projects that he's working over there. He still has a family that needs his first and foremost attention. And I applaud him for, you know, looking at that and making good decisions that are based on good life decisions too. Josh is always going to be a friend. He's always going to be someone that uh, we highly respect. And we have all the plans in the world to support his endeavors with joy, fueled by, by joy podcast and the things that they're doing over there. Joy is still our title sponsor and they will continue to be. Houndsman XP will miss Josh Michaelis and what he can bring to our platform. I am going to miss Josh producing content for the Houndsman XP podcast network There's still a couple more episodes that we're going to do with Josh, so this isn't the end. I look at it as the beginning. When we set out to produce this podcast, we wanted to produce a show that built unity across the industry, expanded our voice, made hunting with hounds, coon hunting, competition coon hunting, all of the things that go into that more mainstream and more familiar to the general public. And with him going and hosting the Fuel by Joy podcast, we are actually expanding our reach into other parts of dog sports and dog ownership that is going to, in the end, help all of us. So by no means is this the end. It's the beginning. It's a beginning of great things for us as hunters and houndsmen. So I'm going to take the opportunity to make it public that Josh, I appreciate you. Thank you for everything that you've done for Houndsman XP. Wade Grasswitz, owner of Joy Dog Food, I want to thank you as well for believing in what we're doing over here and supporting us. We're going to continue to support you and all the things that you're doing. It's a great partnership, and I like doing business with people that I can also call friends. Moving forward with the truth, we are going to continue to have this segment. I'm bringing in a new host. He's he's someone that you are all familiar with, and he's competed at the highest levels. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag. we got a few more weeks to put up with Josh Michaelis. And again, Josh, thanks for everything you've done for Houndsman XP, and I wish you all the success in the world. This is a great interview that Josh conducted And in the spirit and to set the mood, in the words of Big John McCarthy, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer chris girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds he knows what gear you need to be successful look for briar creek kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Michaelis here with The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. And tonight, or today, depending on when you're listening, we're going to do a little something different. Yeah, we're going to talk coon dogs. And, you know, some people may not want to listen to this as much as I do, but we're here with Niall Bartling, and we're going to talk some MMA, too. Because I think... I'm going to go out on a limb, Nile, and I'm going to say that you were probably the only coon hunter to ever be featured on The Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> I, I'd say you're right. Absolutely. So I'm here with Nile Bartling, who's fresh off his Ultimate Fighter debut. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But Nile, first of all, thanks for sitting down with me. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'm when me and you and Jess hunted, what was it, three weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I think about we, a month ago. I yeah, think. probably. And I, we talked about me and you sitting down doing this podcast. I've been looking forward to it ever since. Yeah, I have been too. Yeah, because as a as a casual fight fan, and to have one of my friends and a coon hunter and all that stuff, you know, have the success that you've had, man. It's it's got me stoked, and I'm excited, and I'm excited for you. And I'm and frankly, as a community, I think we we should be proud of you. You know, because 
man, you've done a lot. You've had some setbacks. You've had some things, and you've done a lot with it. But we're going to start with the coon hunting first. So, uh, you know, just tell me about, you know, the coon hunting side of things and how you got your start doing that and, and who you started with and all that stuff. Yeah, coon hunting. Uh, I started at a young age. We had a My dad was never into the coon dogs growing up, but my neighbor, Lynn Pickerel, he had some blue dogs. And, you know, not knowing a coon dog at the time, and now that I know what I do now about coon dogs and <laughs> no. stuff like that, he had some pretty damn good blue dogs. Yeah uh he would take us out Lynn would pick me up when we we're little we'd call him on the phone and he'd come pick us up and at the time you know you were using beep beep callers and uh that's how i got started he uh had three blue dogs when we started hunting with him uh he had a dog named mule bear and bell um they were coming from the cameron lines i didn't know much yeah. about them uh, yeah i still don't some of these guys that are blue tickers will yeah. know more than i do about yeah this, i'm not yeah. like i said i didn't know much about them and yeah. i was just going because i enjoyed doing it at the time and that kind of got me hooked, but we were always so big into the sports and athletics. I was always busy doing that, that my dad never let us keep a dog around ourselves. So to get my fix, I'd, Lynn would come pick us up in the evenings and he'd take us out. Um, if I remember right, you know, we'd tree six or seven coons a night with those dogs. And at the time I didn't know much about hunting. So, uh, it was always interesting to, you know, look back on it and be like, damn, those are some good ones. You yeah. know, I'd go back to a heartbeat and go hunt one of those and I'd like to take them to a comp hunt, you know. Yeah. Well, how, old, how old was you when Lynn was packing you around? No, uh, I was probably, when he started packing me around, probably nine yeah. or ten. And then he took me until, you know, I didn't hunt much. Like, you know what I mean? I'd get through junior high. I went with him mm -hmm. up to that point. And then I got so busy into my sports career that I didn't get to go much. But I just remember nights we'd go out, you know, we'd end up trying to, I remember Bob Wire and Bobcats out of holes at those blue yeah. dogs, you <laughs> yeah. know, his one, his female bell, she got started on lines, actually yeah. how he got her, when he got her, she was started on that, so, we had some interesting nights with those beep beep callers running cats, you know, three yeah. or four miles at a time. Yeah, that's cool, I always want, because we've got some guys that hunt cats right around the house, I've always wanted to do that too, and just with, you know, straight cat dogs in the daytime, I think it'd be a lot of fun, but when did you get, uh, when did you get the first coon dog that your dad let you keep at the house or did he ever no he never let yeah. us keep any at the house <laughs> he uh we ended up getting my own place back home i was a junior in college me and my brother uh we actually started out with my we when we go into something me and my brother it's usually yeah. on a limb and it's 100 percent full force forward so <laughs> yeah. we went action actually went and bought one of our neighbors jake wortley had a litter of black and tan pups and uh I think we actually ended up buying the whole litter. We started out with eight <laughs> pups from the beginning, and they weren't papered either. Yeah. So at the time, we were just going to do it for the hide hunting, and uh, they got to like a year old, and they were running and treeing. Um, we had a couple of dogs named Crash and Bash out of the litter that we ended up holding on to, and they are pretty nice dogs. And then uh, Nick, Nick Snodgrass, yep. one of my buddies from back home, I'm really good buddies yep. with him, he kind of got me into it a little bit too. We actually made a trip over to Brother Kurt's house, Kurt yeah. Erring's one yeah. afternoon, and uh, we bought a bitch from him named Reva. Yeah. And that's when I got the, you know, I'd never been around anyone coon hunting before. Like, the first person I was ever around was Kurt Erring buying that dog. And <laughs> I think tell, we me, tell me about that trip when you first met Kurt. Because, I mean, I think everybody that knows Kurt can remember the first time they met him. Yeah, man, when we showed up, you know, he had dogs running all over the place, and I was like, man, this is pretty neat. You know, he's yep. got a really badass place. And mm -hmm. at the time, he was doing the tree TV pretty heavy, yep. so I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, I think Kurt had maybe gotten to some bad cough medicine that day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and he was pretty wound up when we got there. Uh, we went and looked at this bitch. We looked at I don't know how many other dogs we yeah. looked at. Um, at the time, he had cold sweat yep. and sweated at his place, too, you know, so he stud nose and track man was there. Yep. Uh, man, we, we went there with nothing, knew nothing about coon hunting. When I left, I felt like I might knew something, you know. Yeah. Ended up buying that female from him for, I think, 2500 bucks. Yep. And uh, she was off, uh, is it World Champ, is it X? X Junior. Uh, X Junior. Yeah. And, uh. Water Oak Mabel, I think. Yeah. So she was bred really good. Yeah. Um, and we got her, and uh, he gave us another dog that went... He just gave us another dog that he got back from someone at the time. Yeah. Uh, his name was Baxter. And the crazy thing is, we got those dogs home, and 
that Baxter dog crawled the kennel and our mastiff killed it dead right there in the front yard. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was wild. It was insane. Uh, so that's how that started. And then we took that female out hunting. That would That's what some people would consider a pretty rocky start. Yeah, wow. pretty rocky start. But I guess I go back to when I met Kurt there. You know, we ended up actually going to his buddy's house. I can't remember. I think Jim was his name, yeah. maybe at the time. He running some back problems or something like that. Kurt gave us the spiel, the rundown on that. <laughs> And uh, Nick ended up with a pup that we called Crank. Yeah. We called Crank uh, because Kurt was just cranked out of it. You know, I mean, he's pretty wound up <laughs> yeah. over there. When we left there, we left with like three. We felt like we hit the lottery after we left there. Yeah. He was shoving lights down our throat and everything oh, yeah. else you could think of. One thing about Kurt is when a new hunter comes and someone he hasn't met man he rolls the red carpet out yeah he and it, does. Uh, he had me thinking by the end of the night if he would have found track man's papers we would own track man that <laughs> night he was he was round for sound that night but you know he made a lasting impression on me and, and one thing i've noticed about kurt he doesn't if you if you meet him one time he knows you forever he does. you know i started running around to some hunts you know later on and kurt's always like hey young man how you doing how's that bitch yep. doing you get her granted yeah and uh I actually ended up, did get in there granted, but to start that story on hunting her, she was one of those dogs that she had to have a dog tree with her. She was going to keep running through the country. Yeah. Um, but I put her in my first, you know, I got her home and uh, I texted, it's one of those things, uh, Greg Haring and Brent Denniston, mm -hmm. who are two good buddies of mine. I had never met Greg before. Well, I got this bitch, and she was bred right, and he had a dog by the name of Overdose at the time. Yeah, and uh, he dog. was a young young dog at the time, and he wanted to litter a pup. So, first cycle she came into heat, we bred her. You know what I mean? And then we have another yeah. litter of pups. And at the time, you just thought you'd hold on to everything. Yeah. <laughs> so right into the heat of things, we have eleven dogs to start. And the funnier thing is, is that female. We got her, and then we kind of got burned out on. Like, man, this isn't working out. Like, we just weren't gonna hunt. I was in college wrestling at the time. Well, season rolled around, and we hadn't hunted her. You know what yeah. I mean? It was one of those things. And I ended up taking her out the first night hunting her. I just had nothing to do that night. I wasn't gonna go out and party because I was in season. I yep. was bored. I took her hunting. This is no joke. I, I killed. It was start of kill season. I killed eighteen coons the first night with her. I took no her out. No kidding and uh kind of had me hooked i was ate up with it and that kind of sparked my hunting days right there i started hunting so i didn't start hunting hard until i was about 20 yeah when um, did you start going to some hunts within like a month after yeah. having her i went to an rqe uh, i got beat in that one and then uh went to the i got beat by a quarter you know yeah. what i mean and i figured out that i was a better handler than most you know just yeah. smart about my calls and uh so I started running around and I night championed her and granted her out. I got her qualified for the world hunt. She was always a dog when I'd get her qualified, she'd come into heat around the zone. So I yeah. never got to take her to zones. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Greg and Brent kept on me and they kind of gave me some hookups. I actually got to go down and went hunting with James Turpin, yep. who's a great, yep. great good guy. guy. Good yeah, guy and good I was hunter. really happy that I got to meet yeah. him. You know, I've been fortunate enough to run around with some of the best in the business, yep. I'd say, you yep. know, for being so new to it. Yeah, we um, just got done eating supper with Jess yeah. Dickerson, who who calls himself your bodyguard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like I said, I owe a lot of my success and you know everything that's yeah. been going on to Jess and Leanne yeah. for really taking me under the wing. I can get back to that here down yeah, the road. Yeah, we will. We will. Uh, but anyhow, even funnier thing is how me and Jess ended up meeting each other. So I had this Reba female, and then I got a really nice female from uh, James Turpin mm -hmm. named Sally. She was a year old, and... Um, when I went down to get her wild story, that was another kind of on a limb deal. You know, I figured I'd save some gas when I had a $500 car that I tried taking <laughs> down there. That broke down on the way down there. And I broke, it's so funny. I broke down in O'Fallon, uh, Heights, Illinois or whatever. No. Uh, the only thing was a show me's, which is kind of like a knockoff Hooters. Yeah. And the people in there, the girls in there ended up letting me stay till close and drink with them until my <laughs> brother and buddies came with the trailer. So it wasn't a, a bad situation. No, it wasn't then, a bad no, deal. I, turned, I made the best of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James had left her papers in the visor of his pickup. We picked her up. We drove her home that night, and she, he said she was just getting started. And Heck, I think I treated six singles with her the first night, and yeah. the rest was kind of history. She was one of those dogs that, you know, I... I one i think eight casts in a row with her and she was really clicking i was getting ready for super stakes with her 
And uh, me and my buddy, Nathan Kimball, who's my neighbor yeah. or whatever, he was hunting with me a little bit. And uh, something wasn't right. You know what I mean? I went on all these hunts with her, and she started leaving uh, trees that night and yeah. just kept going and going. Well, push come to shove, she was treating a, a cat, a yeah. lion or whatever, and that thing whooped the hell out of her at home there. And she's never been right since. Kind of really? ruined her. But I've always held on to her, you know what yeah. I mean? But she kind of quirky about it. She never came out of it. Yeah. Um, and then... When that happened, Greg Haring came down and got a pup from Jess. Well, Jess sent Radar home with him, and it was one of those deals that Greg's like, I don't have time to hunt Radar. And Radar was four or five. He just sat in Jess's yeah. pen and uh, started hunting him, and that's the best dog that I had. You know, yeah. did a lot of winning with him. When you come up to our Pro Classic, was you hunting Radar? Yeah, that was actually the first, the first week I like had met that's the first night i met jess yeah i thought i thought he was like bring 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 radar out and we can meet each other because we met through a phone call yeah you know as weird as that sounds not really that weird because that's how coon hunt works oh yeah you know a lot of these guys you don't put a you know a face to the name until you finally run into them down the road somewhere and jess he finally got facebook here a while back yeah so, i mean Hollywood you, himself. yeah there wasn't very many ways you could get a hold of jess yep. than, and half the time i can't even get a hold of him half the time calling him yeah <laughs> he only answers his phone about half the time yeah he's but a busy guy he is but i noticed whenever we want to go to the fishing dock and eat supper he answers his phone every time yeah he, he likes that we can <laughs> yeah. catch up so you you were hunting radar and you went to college to wrestle, right? Yep. Where'd you go to college at? Uh, I went to Ohio State my freshman year, and then I transferred back home to Nebraska Yeah. Okay. for the remainder of my career. So you spent three years at Nebraska, one year at Ohio State? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so whenever you're doing the college wrestling and you're still hunting at the time, Yeah. I mean, how did you manage? Because, I mean, that's... You know, college wrestling ain't easy college sports of any kind is pretty rough you know i mean how'd you manage that to keep hunting and and wrestle and all that stuff as well i mean the hunt was my outlet yeah. you know it always got me into the right state of mind i'd say you know a lot of people will be like how can you go out and do that every night well when you get the release from it that i get out yeah. of it you know it's always the most enjoyable thing do you think that is because you know your sport's a contact sport you know now mma but before that wrestling you know you think that th- there's a lot of like for me sometimes when i'm getting dogs ready for hunt it's not relaxing you know it's stressful and i'm trying to get a dog ready and it's not operating the way i want it to and stuff but that's not as stressful as stepping on the in the on the mat to wrestle or stepping in the cage to to fight it you know in mma you know so you know you you can look at it you think that's why you you know because you were doing combat sports it was easier to look at it as kind of a release yeah i think so and uh you know you start get putting so much pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. you know it kind of takes a little pressure off you know when it's a little bit on your dog yeah um and i knew how consistent i was with it and i know that consistency usually leads to you know winning that's a good concept that the pressure gets transferred to the dog i never thought of that like that but yeah that's great but so you were hunting radar through college too uh, I started hunting radar, so I had a one-year wrestling yeah. left, you know, when I got radar. When you got radar. And so it was kind of one of those deals that the stars lined up perfect, because as soon as I was done with my wrestling career, you know, I got right in. That's when I really started pushing these competition hunts hard. Yeah. I'd go to them all over, and at the time, I was just a broke, you know, broke as hell. Yeah. Not that I've done any better, but, <laughs> you know, at the time, it was my release. That was my competition, you know. Yeah. It, it helped me transition into the... It's so hard when you compete at a high level for so long, like transitioning into being just like a normal civilian. I know that's hard to say, but I'm just so ate up with like the winning and the the drive to keep chasing after something bigger that it's tough to. One thing that I know about you is that you're not hard to be on a cast with. You know, you're pretty pleasant, uh, pretty good handler, you know, nothing uncalled for, nothing loud, nothing crazy. And you would think you know coming from your background in combat sports and things like that that you know it would be hard to translate you know that because there's a big difference between between fighting somebody and then fighting at a coon hunt you know is it is it hard to make that switch i mean for a time it was but yeah when you get so used to like you know having that competitive edge you know a lot of times if you just keep your mouth shut you know those people that are getting you fired up will make a mistake because they can't handle the pressure that is is a very 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 good point and i've seen that displayed a lot of times jed does that jed's a master at that 
letting people cut their own throat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you went from, when did you make the transition? And we're going to get into the fighting stuff a little bit now, but when did you make the transition from wrestling to MMA? Well, so when I got done with my wrestling career and I was chasing them coon hunts around a lot, that's like I uh, started partying quite a bit, yeah. going out on the weekends and, um, you know, being a bigger guy. And like I said, I, I get along with everyone. Yeah. But, you know, you get to the bar and people start getting drinks in them and, you know, people think they're a bigger, you, badder person than you. you. And then, you know, they make the mistake of hitting you and then you finish it. You know, yeah. I got into, there was a little spree there where I got into two or three bar fights where people ended up, you know, in the hospital. And, no. you know, I ended up in a, I ended up going to court uh, for a, uh, a bar fight in Lincoln. Yeah. I mean, we fought a whole frat down there and I was in a year and a half court case and, uh, Derek Minner, one of my good buddies from back home, yep. he was always just riding me like, you got to get in the cage. You got to get in the cage. And kind of after, you know, that, uh, that bar fight, you know, within 30 days after being found not guilty, I got into the cage within 30 days after yeah. that. And, uh, I fell in love with that. So then at the time when I started doing the MMA stuff, and fighting, I was still competition coon hunting. Yep. So I was training and I'd actually have the dog in the dog box, you know, at no practice kid. with me. And I just coon hunt home from Nebraska yeah. city. You know, I had enough ground around there that I just hit it on the way home. Yeah. Uh, and then at the time I was running a hog unit at the time, managing a hog unit. So there was really little time for me to just sit around and hang out. But as long as I'm moving forward on something, I'm usually pretty content. I don't like to sit around too often. Did you did you switch over to start hunting or switch over? I'm not hunting. You were always hunting, but did you switch over to the MMA stuff just to kind of keep you out of trouble at the bars? You know. Yeah, it was an it was a good outlet and like it gave that competitive edge that yeah. I want. And you know, I always thought I had enough skill in me to chase a world title in fighting. You know, yeah. even when I first started, and you know the attitude hasn't changed, but. One of the things is, too, that you can't get out of coon hunting that you can't fighting. It's always on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of people, you know, coon hunting, you can have an excuse, blame it on your dog. You know what I mean? A lot of people never want to take the fault for their handling. Right. You know, and that's what I like more about. Like, that was my problem sometimes. You know, I'm so competitive that my dog could only do so much. Yeah. You know, when you got other dog power there. And that drove me insane that I always couldn't be in control. Yeah. You know, I don't know, like, this sound not being arrogant, but... There was very little times that I could put a cast on myself. You know, I did everything yeah. that I could. Yeah. I haven't made many mistakes in the handling side of things. Well, good handlers, and what I try to preach on this on this show and when I'm out in public or whatever is that uh, it's a team sport, absolute team sport. You know, my job as a handler is to give my dog uh, the best opportunity to win so maybe I can squeeze my dog through where it's having a rough night. You know, maybe I can pick up that slack. And I do that by influencing the judge, not le illegally or not breaking the rules or nothing, but you influence the judge, you influence the other handlers. You try to get calls going your way, and, you know, so it's team sport. And a lot of people don't understand that. And wrestling, and I've never wrestled, and I've never fought in the cage, obviously. Uh, and when I do fight, I'm usually not very good at it, so I made sure I stayed <laughs> out of the cage. But uh, those are those are individual sports. And so maybe, do you think maybe like the team sport aspect was kind of one of the reasons it was a release for you? Yeah, I think so. You know, it just took a little pressure off yeah. you, like I was saying before. Um, and at the end of the day, too, like I knew that I always had my dog ready. Like yeah. I wasn't someone that was throwing my dog in the dog box just Saturday, Sunday, to, or, you know, Friday, right. Saturday nights to go to these hunts. Like we were putting the work in all week, you know, yeah. I wasn't sleeping at night, you know, just making it worth my That's time. That's one thing I was going to ask you. How'd you do that? How do you manage a hog unit? How do you train? And how do you hunt? Because, you know, I hunt four nights a week, three to four nights a week, two or three hours a night. One night I'll pick a night usually to hunt all night. And that's quite a bit for a guy that's working 40, 50 hours a week. How do you work 40, 50 hours a week, train 40, 50 hours a week, and then hunt another 15, 20 hours a week? You just don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to... You know, I'm this someone that's always driven to be the best at whatever yeah. I do. Um, and you just got to ask yourself, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to win or lose, you got to put that extra effort in it. Don't, I don't care what you're doing. I don't, yeah. I'm one of those people, like, if we're having a shoe tying contest, I'm going to try beating your ass yep. at that, you know. Um, so, you know, just a lot of willpower, a lot of go. I mean, I remember when I won the Nebraska State Hunt, 
you know, I was cutting weight for when I was fighting at 205. I was cutting weight for my amateur title fight. You were fighting at 205? Yeah. I was cutting a lot of weight. Wow. I was cutting like 35 pounds um, at the time. And, and I, I want to pause you right there because, you know, as a casual MMA fan and a UFC fan especially, you hear the trouble, that, that how hard it is to cut weight and what the process is like and how hard it is on the body and the strength and especially the mind. How, what, just walk us through that process as far as mentally how it affects you. I mean, you're just sluggish a lot of times and, you know, you're pretty grumpy most of the time. And I think that's probably why I kept coon hunting a lot because it <laughs> kept me away from people. Yeah. And uh, like I said, there was always that release there, just the relaxation. You don't have to think about anything. You're listening to your dog, making sure they're doing everything right. You know, listen, locate yeah. and all that, get them figured out. And like I said, I think it was a good mix at the time for me. I, like I said, I just remember winning the Nebraska State Hunt, you know, radar doubled up both nights and won in the final cast and i just remember being like at the you know i hadn't slept you know hardly yeah. at all those nights and being starting my weight cut that week i fought the next week and you know i was already down 15 pounds and it was just something that you know looking back it's like how the hell did you do that yeah. you know and then i was fortunate enough too like with my training like i always brag on the people i was working for uh, on the dammies and the Neils at the time you know, they were letting me kind of set my hours at work. I'd go in in the morning and work, you know, from 6.30 to 10 o'clock in the morning, and then I'd take off to Omaha for practice for yeah. an hour and a half or two hours, and then I'd go back and work the rest of the day, and then I'd go work out at night to get another practice in at night. So you'd get, you'd get a – you're doing two hours in the morning, two hours a night as far as the training side? Yeah. And so yep. you'd go to work, get there, what, 6, 6.30? Yep. And then you'd work a few hours, go train for a couple hours. Yeah, go back to work till about four thirty or five, and then right, I'd shower out at the hog unit yeah. and drive right to practice. And then, like I said, I'd just have the dog with me. It didn't matter if he was in my car or the, you know, the box. We were going right after that. You're making me feel like a just complete, <laughs> complete jackass. <laughs> nah, it's just... I'm over here whining about working forty or fifty <laughs> hours a week, and you're doing all that plus training four hours a day plus still hunting. Yeah, and uh, you know at the same time too like i'll always brag on this you got to have the right people around you i've always had a family that's pushed me to really succeed and be the best i can be yeah. and there's never a no you can't do that it's always like what do we got to do to help you do it and yeah don't hold yourself back like you're capable of it we've talked about your dad and we're gonna talk about your family too we talked about your dad and your brother and your family unit and stuff like that what did your dad say when you were when you were running yourself so thin and doing all this work and fighting and hunting and everything like that did he give you any advice did he tell you to slow down yeah he always just told me you know you got to figure out the things that are worth it and a lot of times, you know, he's like, I don't know why you're wasting your time hunting them damn dogs. You know, yeah. a lot of times that's what it was. Um, or like, you got to sleep, you're going to kill yourself. But, yeah. you know, uh, I always look back and maybe think chewing the back a little bit too. Yeah. You know I mean? Always keep you wired and moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, I look back on it now and it's like, holy cow. Yeah. Uh, the thing that slowed me down, I know we're probably going to get into this anyway, so I'll just hit it. So yeah, I was doing ahead. all this and getting ready uh i made my pro debut so then i was pro fighting then you yeah. know my first three pro fights i knocked those out pretty quick within like i think i think i fought three times in like four months you know really? i had six amateur fights or five i can't remember yeah but you know i knocked those out in nine months which is unheard of yeah and then i roll into these three pro fights and knock those out this is all within a year well i go turkey hunting with my brother right at the beginning of the pandemic uh we were getting ready to go out that evening and my gun had jammed on my shotgun. And, uh, that's when things changed for the worse there for a while. Uh, my gun was jammed. I was jiggling it loose. I had it rest on my foot, in my dad's garage and it went off and just, you know, blew a hole through. I could use my foot as a spotting scope. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like that second, as soon as, you know, we go to the hospital and, uh, I just remember them taking my boot off. I was super terrified right right there. I was, I'd started crying like before they even taken off because I just figured you know I had so much going for and me. You, that, you'd had three pro fights at that time. Yeah, I was right? three and that, and that was when I first started because I'd met you. I knew you. Yeah. I knew you were a hunter. Uh, got along great whenever we visited and when we was around each other. And I started following your career. I think after your second fight, and you know how it is. 
guys fighting regional fights and stuff like that and you know you you pay attention you're like man that's cool i know he could beat me up but you know i don't know how i don't know how great you are at the time Mm -hmm. and then i got to see some footage of your third fight and i thought you know nile nile looks pretty good he's you know this guy moves around good for heavyweight or i guess he was fighting pretty small then but yeah i said this guy moves around good i you know i hope he really makes it he's got some talent and then this happens yeah and I was sick for you. And I thought, man, that's a career ender is what a lot of people thought. And kudos to you for coming back from that. But what was the, I mean, you, you just finished off by taking your boot off at the hospital. What happened after that? You know, I take my boot off. And uh, the worst thing is, like I've told plenty of people this, is I didn't want to see my dad. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we've my dad's someone that cut us loose with a twenty two at 5. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. Me and my brother, those are kids that my mom was calling the cops during the week because we'd go to the creek in the morning and we wouldn't come home till midnight, yeah. you know, that young. And, you know, we'd preach gun safety and you just get so comfortable around it, you know. I've seen plenty of guys since I've done it do the same thing, yeah. you know what I mean? They've just locked out. You just get so comfortable doing stuff like that. So my dad comes in and, you know, he was just like, you dumbass, like, what were you thinking? And, you know, that really made me just hurt a little more and yeah. then they take my boot off and uh one of my buddies is a cop in town i just told him i said when you see it don't sugarcoat i want to know and he goes it's not as bad as you think and then i looked at it you know and at the time you couldn't see all the way through it but it was mangled up and you know right there in that moment you know sitting there i just told myself like i'm not going to let this define who i am as a person like from here on out it's take care of it and you know the first thing the doctors say during COVID, I just remember it was like five o'clock in the evening when I did it. And, uh, I sat in a hospital room in an ER room. I got transferred to Lincoln. I sat in ER until three thirty that morning. You know what I mean? Until they operate on me. And the first thing the doctor said is, and you couldn't have any family there at the time. It was just me. That's crazy. So I'm in the hospital for a week by myself and it's me like kind of making all these decisions. And I just told him, I was like, I got offered a contender series fight. Like, you know, they're talking about it right before I shot myself. And it's a, it's like one of those deals that like I told him, I have a pretty promising fight career, do whatever you can to save this foot. And, you know, they're telling me like, Hey, your body's got to respond to this. You know what I mean? Like, if not, we're going to have to take your foot because the infection and, uh, doctor put me in the first night or whatever. And they said, Hey, you're not getting any circulation or whatever to your foot. Like this isn't looking good. Well, I just started thinking positive. Like, I didn't get negative, you know. I just stayed positive the whole time. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat this. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, like, hey, your body's responding well. And I always like to think that it was just me keeping, you know, upbeat that helped it out, you know. I believe it. And, uh, you know, I don't pray too often, but I said a few prayers right there. And, you know, the rest is history. is a long recovery, you know. Uh, Sitting there in my hospital bed, you know, I was thankful enough that my company that I worked for had insurance and they helped me through the yeah. whole thing, you know, uh, Dale Dammy and Deb Dammy and their, their whole family and the Neils is they took care of me, man. Like they made sure everything, you know, checked out. And, um, you know, I was laying in my hospital bed then, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to do with money. I didn't want it to be one of those deals that, you know, financially was a burden the rest yeah. of my life. And at the time, that's when I bought this truck and trailer and, uh, started buying and reselling pigs all over the country yeah i made more money out of the hospital bed than i did the last you know what i mean yeah. two years of my life you know kind of was a real eye-opener it's the best thing that ended up happening to me you know so i just not stayed... many people would say that no. yeah i know i know they <laughs> wouldn't but that's just how i am you know sometimes yeah. your biggest setbacks you you know I, what i mean i agree I your agree. biggest setbacks you find out who you are and you know it really yeah. proved that i have a big heart and i'll never quit you know what i mean and uh, it kind of made me come to terms with, you know, I don't care how many times I fail, as long as I wake up every day on my terms and I'm doing what I want to do every day exactly how yeah. I do it. That's what it was. So, uh, so I was off for a whole year, year and a half from that. And like I said, I had a girlfriend at home that was taking care of me. You know, she didn't miss a beat. She made sure I stayed positive the whole time. She took me to all my doctor's appointments. I ended up getting put under 17 times for surgery wow. through the process. You know, three times a week I was getting put under. And uh, my body responded so good. You know what I mean? I just give it to the staying in shape, you know, and yeah. being healthy, yeah. you know, goes a long ways. And uh, when you're sitting in the hospital room, you know, you're going into these places where you're getting your wound that change. You start really realizing how blessed you are, too. Yep. That's how I looked at it because there's people that are losing limbs or born without limbs and got to fight this every day, you know, like. Yeah. 
born with illnesses that they can't control at all. And if they're getting through it, why can't I, you know, the ball's always in my court. You got to move forward with yeah. it. Um, you went, when you go through your recovery and you said your recovery was about a year. Yeah. Or a year and a half. Not only, I mean, I can't even fathom what it would be like, but especially as an athlete, you know, you're not getting workouts in none you know you're not you're not working out your cardio you're 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 losing muscle mass you're doing all that stuff laying in the hospital bed trying to get this foot right how long did it take you you know after you were up and about and able to do some work to get back into fighting shape oh man i didn't touch a weight for probably eight months but the thing i did do is i would burn through a pack of tennis balls on my crutches every day i didn't sit around and feel bad for myself i stayed active you know what i mean i was constantly doing stuff and then we uh me and my brother bought a house and we remodeled that and you know he was always on me like hey you need to get back to training you need to get back to training you know i think that he kind of did it out of love for me one yeah. day he me and him kind of got into it He's was like, there was there ever any doubt that you would get back to training through all this in my mind no yeah i think a lot of other people doubted me you know what i mean which motivated me too but yeah you know, I always talked about getting back in and, you know, I slow starting because it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. You know, I talked about fail and doesn't scare me, but not being able to do it. That's yeah. what scared me more than anything. Um, when I, when I get back or whatever, you know, my brother kind of, me and him had it at the house that one day. He goes, just get out of here. Fucking leave. You know what I mean? Get away yeah. from everything. Go start training. And, uh, you know, that that's when it comes into Jess Dickerson. You know what I mean? Uh, glory mma at a lee summit starting to get a big name james yeah. Krause, the head coach um derek minner told me that they talked to him about me and just show up and me and dylan got into it on a sunday and i called jess sunday night me and him were good, pretty good buddies he said if you ever need anything from me i'm a call away i called him i said hey i need a place to stay for a couple days i said i'm gonna come down and check out glory mma and uh he said yep i'll see you tomorrow i hadn't done anything in like a year and a half yeah and I step into that room, you know, for the first time. And uh, that's when I really found out that I could do it. Yeah. You know, I came in here. There's some pretty big names down here. And, you know, I was really, you know, doing well against everyone. Really standing up and, like, pissing some guys off at the gym, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's when I knew that I was going to be okay. What's that? What's your mindset walking in to a gym like that that's full? I mean, how many how many UFC fights Man, has Derek had? Oh, man, I don't know, quite a few. Yeah. I mean, he's had, like, 40 pro I fights. Mean, I mean, Derek's an elite fighter. Yeah. Uh, they've got a whole room full of elite fighters when you walk in. You know you're walking into the real deal. What What are you thinking when you walk through them doors? Uh, are you walking in like a boss, or are you a little nervous? Or I was nervous, man. Like I said, I hadn't competed on my foot, yeah. you know, at all, and done much of anything. And, you know, you know what you're capable of, but you're still that in the back of your mind, like, hey, just take this a learning experience. You wanted this, like, yeah. you want to be the worst person in the room. That's how you're going to get better. I kind of walked in there with that mindset, and, you know, th- my don't quit attitude kind of took over from there. You know what I mean? Were you a coach's dream in college, too? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I said, were you a coach's dream in college, too? Uh, at the time, probably not. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was pretty stubborn. Like, I look back on my wrestling career and, you know, always being around the livestock and stuff, transferring home, I always say it was probably the worst thing I could have yeah. done. You know, because I was at Ohio State, I was really excelling and doing well. I got home and I could start working again and stuff like yeah. that. And that's why when I decided to do this, like I had to buy in and get away from everything. Yeah. You know, kind of put put it down and just walk away from it all. Yeah. So you walked into Glory MMA with a 3-0 and record. Yep. Just coming off your huge injury, just coming off the rehab, just... just I assume you were getting in back into some kind of shape before you walked in, or were you still? No, I was. You, I hadn't done anything. I just yeah. walked in that week. And so that says something right there, as far as talent wise. Not very many people could walk into Glory MMA without training for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like so, I said, once you wrestle, though, like it, it never goes away. Yeah. When you're at a high level like that, it helps out so much. What? Uh, when was your next fight, your first fight back? So, like, right when I walked in there within the first week, the coaches were talking about getting me a fight already. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, I walked in, and I think within two months, they had me on a, they had me on a fight schedule, like, scheduled yeah. fight. You know, and at the time, I didn't have a place or anything like that. And, 
you know, I'd never met Leanne before yeah. until walking into Jess's that Monday. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I stayed in their basement for, you know, it was supposed to be for a couple of days. <laughs> and it turns <laughs> into, you know, Jess and Leanne had a six-month roommate there, yeah. you know. And they took care of me. Like I said, if it wasn't for them, I don't, you know what I mean? It'd be a whole different story yeah. without them in it. They took care of me. You know, Leanne was feeding me and, you know, Jess was taking care of me pretty well. They treated me just like family. Right. You know, it got to the point, you know, I didn't even go home for family Thanksgiving or Christmas. I just stayed with them. Um, and it's just one of those deals, you know, it doesn't translate, but Jess is like one of the most elite coon hunters out there. Right. You know what I mean? So he's got that competitive. I think it, I think it does translate. Yeah. I think it does. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if you're the best at something, yeah. you know what I mean? You you have that mindset. And Jess has always been in my corner and thinks I'm one yeah. of the best out there. And, you know, many people don't know this, but Leanne's just as competitive, if not more competitive yeah. than Jess. So having them two there every day to keep me upbeat, you know, my first few weeks in there, I just remember trying to walk up the stairs and it was rough, you know. Yeah. And uh, I just knew it was all worth it. Um, so, yeah, I get in there, you know, I get my first fight is on UFC Fight Pass, which is a big deal on co main yeah. event. Yeah. And uh, I think my comeback fight was like two minutes and 10 seconds, you know, with a pretty brutal finish. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice to get in there. And then, you know, then I rattled two more right after that. And, you know, the rest was kind of history, I guess. Yeah. Um, then I get a big fight lined up on Dana White's Contender Series. And I'm supposed to be the main event. And then the ultimate fighter came along. Yeah. And uh, I kicked back and forth, kicked back and forth. I say that that's got to be a tough decision because you make a good showing in three rounds of the contender series. You're signed. And you're signed. Yeah. You know, but, you know, ultimate fighter, you know, the odds of getting signed maybe are just as good because they'll sign some guys here and there that that maybe will take a rough loss but still perform well or something like that. They do that on the Contender Series sometimes as well. But, I mean, that's got to be a tough decision between the Contender Series and the Ultimate Fighter, which would be, and frankly, Niall, that's a decision hundreds of thousands of MMA fighters would love to make. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they would love to have that opportunity. And like I said, like, I know no one else has been in that position before, so it was hard taking outside advice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because not many people have had, like, too high up you know within right. like i they were within a week of each other like my quarantine started the week of my fight yeah. week would have been there so i couldn't do both like yeah. that's what i wanted to do but i couldn't and uh you know i talked with my coaches and they were kind of wanted me to do a contender series route but deep down like when i told them i'd do that like i had instant regret and that's when i knew that like i had to do the ultimate fighter just yeah. for the experience alone you because, know because I, mean? I mean you get you get talk to your coaches you get it you get to stay around the, those elite fighters and stuff was that part of your decision making there as far as you wanted to do it that route yeah like i mean my decision you know i just wanted to have other heavyweights to train with yeah. and like this is the exposure alone like being on the ultimate fighter and it's just a total you know something you'll never experience you know no phone no radio no tv yeah you know 16 people that you don't nothing about you live with them for 42 days yeah. you know what i mean um and at the end of the day, you know, things worked out how they did. You know, win, lose, or draw, I was 100% in, and I was happy with my decision. I said I'd never turn back on it. Yeah. Let's talk about your Ultimate Fighter experience, because I know there's things that most people, when they watch the cameras or they see the show or something like that, that they're not going to understand. What was something about the Ultimate Fighter that, that, that surprised you? I guess the thing that surprised me the most is um, just, I, I'm going to try putting in the words here. The thing that surprised me the most was probably the going back and like just being there on your own. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, you can't talk to anyone like how you're feeling. Yeah. And like, you've got to coop everything up you got in because you're not going to talk to complete strangers about what you're going through yeah. at the time, you know? And, uh, that week of quarantine out in Vegas, you know, really was tough to get through sitting in a hotel room. Yeah. I'm someone that's not, I can't be cooped up. No. I'm not good at not moving around. Right. Um, so that was a, on a whole different level of experience, you know. And then, you know, someone for as green as I am, you know, a lot of these guys have been fighting for 10 years yeah. on that. And here I am, if you don't count my injury, two years and three months, yeah. which is unheard of. You know, my experience on this green as grass, that's the beauty of yeah. it, you know three to five years from now I, I cannot wait to see where i'm at sitting yeah. there and uh so going into it you know i was worried about not worried but you know one person i thought that'd give me a good fight was the zach palga yeah 
And, uh, you know, we get in the house and we go through training and I get picked on the team Nunez's team, which I was happy about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Coach Kami and Coach Roger were two of the coaches on there. Two, uh, they're from Florida, too. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed being around all those guys. I got a ton of knowledge from them. Um, but anyhow, push comes to shove. First first week, you know, I mean, I end up fighting first on the show. And with a tough matchup. Yeah, like I, I figured in my honest opinion, talking about it, I was pretty good friends with Zach. Me and him yeah. thought that we'd be the finals, you yeah. know. And uh, we draw out with each other first round. And, you know, I had put so much pressure on myself at the time. And I like that was the worst part, you know. I felt like I kind of went against my coaches, so I felt like I had to win, you know. What I mean, like yeah. you know, prove something, prove to someone else, you know. What I mean, and I should have just, you know, what I mean, stuck to my guns and put it all on me because at the end of the day, I'm the only person that's gonna have to live with it, you yeah. know. So me and Zach end up having to fight first round, and things didn't go how I planned, you know. What yeah. I mean, uh, I ended up taking a loss, but if I was gonna lose, I'd want it to be then and that's why i took this route as well because it's was the best way if i was gonna take a loss it was the best time to take a loss with that kind of exposure and you know what i mean and i'm doing it on my own you know i mean i could cope with it yeah and uh you know i got into a dog fight um my adrenaline dump was bad i blacked out for the whole fight uh and you know i wish i could have it back now when you i want to step back a little bit because any sports fan, anybody that has, and combat sports are a completely different deal. I mean, this is not, you know, a Division One football game, and this is not, you know, an NBA basketball game. This is two grown-ass men, especially the heavyweights, <laughs> that are getting ready to punch each other in the face multiple times. And, you know, it's going to hurt, and it's going to be different. And, you know, fighters are used to that where people like me aren't. But what is that feeling like, especially on such a big stage, just trying to get from the locker room to the cage? Man, when I've had it, that's the thing. When I've had a crowd, usually my brother and my dad have me. So I have that adrenaline dump yeah. and that release because they have me so fired up by the time I get to the cage that everything, nothing else matters. You know, I'm in the zone and ready there you know cameras shoved in your face you know 24 hours yeah. a day and you know you're in the back room with a bunch of new people that you're not yeah. used to being around and i call it newborn calf legs man yeah. when i stood up to walk to make the walk you know i mean it was just like i was flat you yeah. know I was i was overcome with nerves and like i said it took me a little while to get into the fight a little yeah. bit too you know um i came out kind of flat you know, a little flat stepping into the yeah. cage, but I mean, I kept my pace high. And uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I kept my pace really high, and uh, I think it came to bite me in the ass at yeah. the end of it. Um, like I said, they end up giving him a unanimous decision. In my opinion, I thought I maybe won the first round, but I mean, now nah. if ifs and buts were candy nuts, yeah. every day'd be Christmas. You know, no excuses here. But yeah. you know, I just wish I had that one back. I'm biased, of course, because I'm rooting for you. But, you know, I watch the fight and I look at it and I'm, I try to detach myself away from it. I don't care whether it's coon dogs or, or fighting or my kids when they're playing sports or whatever. You know, I try to detach myself and just look at it the way it is. And I had you at 10 9 in that first round. You know, that, that last minute and a half where you, minute and a half where you controlled him, he landed some shots early, he landed some leg kick, or landed some kicks, landed a couple punches. He got you real good with the knee and the solar plexus, it looked like at one time. And so I've got an even round up until the last minute and a half of that round. Yep. And then you get the takedown, you control him on the ground, and that that's, to me, if I'm a judge, which I'm not, uh, I would give you, you know, i give you that round because of that last minute and a half because I'm looking at a draw until then. Yep. And then the last round, man, your pace, and folks, anybody listening to this, they can go watch it, Ultimate, Ultimate Fighter. Uh, it's on ESPN+. Uh, Plus. ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I just watched it on my phone earlier. And you can watch it. It's episode one. It's fantastic. And just to watch one of my friends on ESPN Plus, you know, fighting <laughs> fight the UFC Ultimate Fighter is cool enough anyway. But, you know, I your pace was so high in that first round and for the first really four minutes of the second round, too. Yeah. And you've done a lot. You were the most active fighter in the second round, but that last two minutes, you know, you go for the takedown. He gets you on the ground a little bit. He lands some, some glancing shots and stuff, and I think that just what put him over the edge. But, yeah, I had it as a very, very close fight. Yeah. 
and then uh, since it's on the Ultimate Fighter, um, it's just two rounds. Yeah. And uh, I really was hoping that they give you a third if yeah. they think it's close. And yeah. That's kind of stung a little bit, but you know, at the time being, you know, when I get done with that fight, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I get out and then like I have some guys on my team, people on my team, like, yeah, man, like you got to get better at this, this, and this. So I didn't get to watch that fight yeah. until it came out and aired. And how after, hard? How hard is it to watch a loss to a guy that hasn't lost yet? Man, it hurts. Yeah, I bet uh, it, it does. hurts bad. Man, it hurts. I, I mean, my, it hurts my, me because I'm rooting yeah, for you. I can't imagine. You my, know. I, I was broken, man. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the Ultimate Fighter ended on the 12th. I actually fought on the 17th yeah. of February, and uh, th- that was a rough. That was a yeah. rough. It, it's been a rough go. You know, yeah. two months. I was just in the dumps. But you know, the best thing about that is. I'm someone usually if I have a setback or a fall down, like I'll learn from yeah. it. You know, I mean, a lot of people say they'll learn from it, but they're just saying that to make people happy. Yeah, I promise you that I'm learning from it. You know, what I mean, and I'll make the changes. And, you know, I I got to figure out a way to not put so much pressure on myself and feel like I'm letting everyone down because I got to do it for myself. I got to yeah. become more selfish, you know, a little bit. And just I agree. Yeah, from from my standpoint on it, you know taking that loss if i'm going to take one it's not going to set me back at all this brings my stock up yeah. you know especially losing i stepped up a huge level in competition you know that yeah. guy that i fought he he's he's a he's a badass there's, you know what I mean? there's no bad fighters on the ultimate yeah. fighter no doubt um but so i get that so i got that out of the way you know what i mean so you know finally watching it you know i was you know i'm not satisfied with my performance obviously but it made me feel a little better because yeah. I thought I went out there and just laid an egg and then I watched it and I'm like, man, I thought I won the first round. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it wasn't a bad performance, you know? So I can hold my head a little higher after that. But... I've seen folks lay an egg on the Ultimate Fighter and yeah. the Defender Series. That was not it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Appreciate <laughs> that, was def- that was definitely not it. And I know, like, last time me and you hunted together down here, uh, me and you and Jess went out and turned them pups loose a few times and you couldn't talk about it then. You know, the show hadn't come out yet. You hadn't fought yet on the show. And you, man, I wanted to grill you so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and and you couldn't talk about it, which I understand. But, you know, luckily we we scheduled this podcast around to where we could. Yeah, I'm pretty excited that you did. You know, yeah. it's nice that I get it. You're actually the first person, and this is the first time that'll come out that I've yeah. talked about it. And uh, it feels good to talk about it. You know, I don't get too much, but I will say that I really do think that the finals of the heavyweight tough, you know what I mean, yeah. was fought in the first round. Yeah. And I think as things play out, everyone will see that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, going back to Jess and Josh taking me out hunting when I was back, you know, mm-hmm. when we went out three or four weeks ago, I uh, ended up taking a tick home that night that had Lyme's yeah. disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And that damn near killed me. I was around like 105 and a half degree temperature. Yeah, and I didn't even know that until rest, tonight. Yeah, on bed rest for about yeah. a week and a half and was no contact until this week. So yeah. it feels good to get back in the scheme of things so now nah, what do you got which future look like as far as the mma goes and the coon hunting man i really think you know looking down the road in this mma path that i'm on you know i'm gonna buy in even more than i did good you know i'm planning on making a run at a world title i really think i'm capable of it yeah like i said i'm green as grass and you know this consistency and hard work usually takes care of itself and i'm someone that's not scared to do that as far as coon hunting goes, I always have a coon dog around. Yeah. You know, and I got, my brother's got two boys. They're two and one. So hopefully we'll be getting into the youth hunting yeah. kind of things here down the road That'd coming up. I'm excited about that. Um, I'll tell you, you what, it's going to be hard if I'm judging one of them boys if you're on their spectate. <laughs> I'm going to really mind my calls then yeah, if I'm judging. That's right. <laughs> no, man, I'm just, uh, like I said, I do plan on coon hunting when yeah. I'm done with this fighting thing. You know, a lot of people think I'm crazy when I say this. I'm 29 years old and. I plan on fighting until I'm 40, I hope you know, you unless my body breaks, you know yeah. what I mean? My mind's not going to break. I'm not going to quit. I don't have any quit in me. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, when it's all said and done, I just hope I can look back and just, like I said, I love living life on my own terms, and I don't plan on changing anytime soon. Well, Niall, I'm going to be honest. I envy you. Uh, you're out here. You're you're living the life. Uh, I think you're, you're on a great path. And uh, I want to give you some old man advice i know jess does it but sometimes jess advice sucks <laughs> and so i'm gonna give you some good advice coon hunting's always gonna be there yeah you know that's exactly it's what always he says gonna too. be there you know you can go back to it you look at all the great hunters that have hunted 
they uh, I just did Brent Robertson a few weeks ago, and he talked about the breaks he had when he had kids, or when he had to work on the road, or when he had to do something. I've done the same thing. My brother's done the same thing. A lot of the greatest coon hunters that have ever competed have took breaks, and you know that it's always going to be there. Your fight career is not. You know it, it's a limited limited deal, and I really hope that you and I think you will that you just take that bull by the horns and really run forward with it. Yeah, and like the nice thing is too, like you know through coon hunting, I've made so many connections mm-hmm. that I kind of feel like I'm part of it all the time. Like people with like you, you know, and like. Nick Snodgrass and then mm-hmm. the Binghams and then like I'm really good buddies with Wes Hamilton too yep. you know J.R. Gray I think Wes Eric, might be your biggest fan yeah, next to your girlfriend yeah that's right <laughs> you know so like Eric Emery like all those guys yeah. you know I, I stay in you know good with the guys coon hunting kind of makes me feel like part of it even though yeah. I'm not but you know it gives me something to look forward to I still watch all your guys's interviews and I listen to your podcast every yeah. week like that's why I'm so excited to be part of like the elite group that you got on yeah. here put me on here and get me some exposure out there well now what i want to say is you look at the adversity that you've overcome with your with your shotgun accident how you're just getting over lyme's disease and rocky mountain spotted fever this loss at the ultimate fighter is nothing exactly compared to all that yeah like i, I mean, said i've nothing. been through it all and yeah. like i said losing's the thing that's that's the least of my worries right. you know what i mean like i said i'll I'll continue to fail a million times yeah. as long as I'm getting back up and moving forward. I'll be all right. Now, first of all, I want to thank you for sitting down with me. Uh, I always enjoy hunting with you. I always enjoy hanging out with you. Uh, you're a cool guy just to be around, whether he's a fighter or not. I'd probably still be sitting here doing this interview <laughs> and we'd be talking about something else. But the MMA stuff, congratulations, first of all. Thank because, you. Because, I mean, that's it, it takes a lot to be elite at anything. You know, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of hard work, and you've put that all out there. And, you know, as a community, you know, your coon hunting community and your coon hunting brothers, we're super proud of you. We really are. I appreciate that. And so if there's anything else you want to add before we shut this off? Well, if anyone knows anything about electrical for a camper, I could use some lights in this <laughs> We're thing. in the dark, ain't we? Yeah. I'm living in my camper hey, out here, you, guys. You I'm be- not living the lifestyle. You better thank that sweet girlfriend that takes good care of yeah. you, too, while you're on yep, here. Yep, I will. Yeah, I am super blessed to have yeah. a, a good woman at home. You know, she's working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, getting up every morning at 5 o'clock in the morning to make sure that ends meet for us. Yeah. And I'm living down here in a camper, kind of living, you know, low key but i wouldn't have it any other way no I and don't she comes it. down here and visits me in this camper on the weekends you know yeah. what i mean so it takes a special woman to be successful at anything and yeah. they have to have your back in anything i don't care what it is i don't care like i said i don't care if you're running a business or just yep. raising a family you got to make things work out yeah. and you got to have that support at home yeah and you, like I, I don't care if you're doing what i'm doing or you're doing or whatever yeah. you got to have it and it's just one of those deals that we've meshed well and she's been there yeah. every step of the way and it's, you know, I mean, I she got me through this loss, too. I'll give her that, you know. It's not easy going through it with someone as competitive as me. Yeah. Going through a loss that I went through and, like, the mental mental stress that causes for both of us. And she's been so good in that aspect. You know, she's never let me hang my head. You know, she's always made sure that I'm proud of what I do and where I've came from. Yeah. No, and she's proud of you. We're proud of you, Niall uh i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna be watching your career as a fan and as a friend and like i said thanks a million for sitting down with us i hope you continue on the path that you're on and you focus on the mma stuff because like i said that coon hunting will always be there and and of course i'll come down we'll turn some dogs loose every now and then too (laughs) yep i'm all right at that hopefully i can get back on here talking about a world championship yeah i want to see it yeah that's the plan I want to, I want you to be the first uh, coon hunting heavyweight world champion that goes back into coon hunting, maybe win a world championship. Yeah, that'd too, be someday. pretty awesome. That I think be. that I think that coon hunting world title might be a little tougher. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's not as many bumps and bruises, but it's hard to do either way. Yeah, that's right. So, so Niall, thanks again, man. It, this was great content. I really appreciate you sitting down. I think it went really well, and I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. Awesome, thank you. All right, keep this doing is, what you're doing, Josh. I really you. Uh, as far as coon hunting goes, you're really growing the sport, and you know you're always big in on the youth hunts, along with Jed, you know, putting together yeah. that trader hunt, you know, and just people like you that'll keep the sport running for years to come. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that segue, and I'm gonna pimp new youth nationals. Uh, I believe it's the second weekend of June coming up in Paducah, Kentucky. So anybody wants to get their kids ready down there, uh, me and Jed and Steve Yant and Chris Freiberger and all them guys are gonna put that hunt together, and it's gonna be a great time too. So. 
And one other thing I guess I will say before I get off here, I'll put this out as networking. If anyone out there in the country wants to sponsor me, I'm always yes. looking for sponsorships. How, uh, how do we get a hold of you now? What's the best way? Uh, you guys can get a hold of me on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I can give Josh my number here. Yep. He's got that. We can meet up that way. Like I said, it's a tough sport to be in, and it's yep. tough for me to try to keep a job and make money another way. And, you know, anything helps. Yeah, it means I agree. And... If anybody, this fight game's rough. I mean, it's there's a lot of good talent. There's a lot of guys that out there that just need a chance. Uh, if anybody wants to help Nile through sponsorship, man, just get a hold of me on Facebook, uh, Josh Michaelis. You can get me through at Big Show Josh on Instagram. You can look up Nile on Facebook and Instagram and Instagram as well. And uh, you know, we'll, maybe we can get something going here, help you out, because I know, man. We would love to see you, you know, on that on that main card on UFC 279, 280, 290, yeah. one of these days, you know. Absolutely, that that's the plan. It's not if, it's when. Yeah, and I'd be more than happy to help. And so, uh, thanks again, now. I mean, this is awesome. I had a great time. Uh, thanks for the hospitality. We'll thank Jess for supper. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Dick. I appreciate you for everything you do for me. All right, and we're gonna sign off there. Uh, This is Josh Michaelis with The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. Thank you for listening.